think of the, 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 the title for it, 2020. 2020 means clear vision. Right, you can see it all. You can see it all laid out ahead of you. We even had a 2020 vision for this year. And nothing that we imagined or planned happened because we couldn't see. Our, our 2020 vision was uh, very poor. <laughs> poor. We couldn't see what was going to happen at all. We, we couldn't have planned for this year in a fit. We have no reference point for what we're doing even right now. We have no reference point at all. I mean, in, in all my ministry life, uh, what you do as a church is you try and pack as many people in as you possibly can. Isn't that what we've always done? That, that's what we do. We, we try and get as many people in as we possibly can. And um, <clears throat> this year, we're, we're faced with this incredible situation uh, where we're having to limit the numbers, we're having to eke out the seats. and do it. Nobody could have envisaged that. Nobody could have envisaged that we'd be here meeting in church in December with the win windows open. I couldn't have made you wear masks in church uh, in a fit. In fact, somebody said uh, recently that they, um, uh, uh, that they were amazed that they were letting people wear masks into banks, that, that, that they had given that up years ago. Right? And, but this is 2020. Everything is different. But here's what I want us to see today. I want us to see this very clearly. It was no surprise to God. None of it was a surprise to God. All of it is in his hand. All of it is under his control. And your life and my life are under his control and working to a perfect plan. His plan is working out, not faced by COVID-19 in the least. His plan is working out and is working out perfectly. And here's what you and I get to do. Here's where we end up with this. Either we're going to trust him in that or we're going to wrestle and struggle. And probably if you're like me, you've done your fair amount of wrestling and struggling as we've gone through all of this. But I want us to come to the place where we rest in him. He's in charge. He's in control. All the things you planned to do that didn't get to happen, that he's in charge of all that. All the, the tough things that have happened during this time, he's in control of all of that. He's, he's never the author of evil, but you know, nothing happens in his world without his say-so. Our God is in control of all of it. And because he's in control, I am safe. And you are safe. And we can relax and lean into him during these days. All right, so Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read from verse 1 uh, down to verse 7. Isaiah 9, verse 1 down to verse 7. Uh, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterwards did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan. Now, <clears throat> let me just uh, bring you up to speed with the picture here in, <clears throat> in Isaiah. Isaiah opens up chapter 1 with that great, you know, <clears throat> controversy between God and man. And God says, listen, listen, though your sins be as scarlet, they've be as white as snow. Just, just come to me. Reason with me. We'll sort it out. We'll deal with it. And then we have uh, Isaiah pronouncing his woes. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, we have Isaiah's great vision uh, where he's transported into heaven and he sees God and he says, woe is me. And God, God says, God cleanses his lips and, with a coal and God makes him right. And then God says, who, who will we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, me, Lord, I'll go. I'll go. Let me go. And God says, okay, go. 
but you're going to go to people that aren't going to listen to you. You're going to proclaim truth and they aren't going to listen. And so what we have is we have the door opening to judgment after judgment after judgment falling upon Israel first and then falling upon the nations around them first and until we come to the, the last part of the book where uh, we've got great things happening for the nation of Israel. But right in the middle of all of that, right or in the beginning of all of that, here in chapter 9, you've got a great promise of God that's given to the nation of Israel for them to rest on in these struggles. God doesn't say to Israel that he couldn't protect them, that he couldn't look after them, that it was just too tough. No, God says, I will take care of you. I will bring you through this. I will bring you out the other side of it. And I will show you great and wonderful things. That's what God is doing. So that's the background to, to what we're looking at now. So let's read it. By the way, the land of Naphtali and the land of uh, Zebulun is Nazareth. It's that area, the area of Galilee, that area where Jesus walked. Right? <clears throat> the land, and um, <clears throat> so verse 2, uh, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath, hath light, the light shined. And into that area came Jesus, and he walked in that area, and he shed light in that area for all who would see, for all who were interested uh, to receive the light. Verse 3, Thou hast multiplied the nation, and not increased the joy, uh, the joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warriors is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be a burning and a fuel of fire. And then he gives us that great verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word today. Uh, Lord, help us to take on board truth uh, that's going to help us. Work in our hearts, Lord, that we might know you better and that we might walk with you and that we might enjoy your presence even in these difficult days and Lord, uh, that, that our hearts might be lifted up to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So first point is this, a great light has come into the world. <clears throat> Jesus was a great light. Uh, now, Isaiah is looking forward to what's going to happen. But you and I look back to it. You and I live in the light that was turned on, if you like, when Jesus walked into the world. You and I live in that light, and Jesus has shed a light in the world, a light that changes everything. Nothing can ever be the same because of that light. Everything has changed because of that light. <clears throat> it's a light that shines in a dark place, Peter says, uh, until the day dawn and the day, day star arise in our hearts. It's, it's, a, it, it's a light that shines. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. You and I have got a choice to make as far as that light is concerned. You and I can, 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 can go with the light and get drawn to the light, or you and I can turn away from the light. And even believers, we can do that. We can turn away from the light. But there's a light that changes everything. There's a truth that changes everything. There's truth that changes your life. You men that are in the man's home, 
Listen, by the way, they're our biggest family. That's why they're in that room altogether, right? There's a light that has shone that can change addiction forever. It's not a program. It's not you learning better disciplines in your life. All those are going to help you. But it's the truth of the gospel, the truth of the, that, that Jesus came with that, that changes lives. But it's not just for people in addiction. It's for everybody. You may have a problem in your life with anger. Well, you know what? Go to the light. Go, go to the Sermon on the Mount. Read what Jesus says about anger. You, you may have a problem with bitterness, with, with a, an enemy that's done you wrong and you, and, and you hate them. Go to the light. <clears throat> the light, the truth. And receive the truth and let the truth in and it changes everything in your life. But it's truth that does its work. It's this light that shone back then that is still shining right now, but you've got to turn to the light, not away from it. You've got, you got to stop making excuses for yourself. You've got to stop trying to make it happen in your own flesh. You can't. You've got to come to the place where you're letting the, the light, the light of Jesus. Jesus came. Uh, we're, we're, we're looking at a book on, on Sunday nights, uh, sorry, Wednesday nights, and we're looking at this book, and what we're doing is the book has this purpose in it. It's, it's the idea of people need something from Monday morning. Right? That's the, the, the opening chapter of the book, if you've read it, uh, talks about that. By the way, if you need that book, email me and I send it to you. Right? But, but um, the idea is that truth needs to be applicable on Sunday morning. It's great to come to church on a Sunday morning. It's fabulous. We haven't been here for a while, so it's all the more fabulous. right? But, you know, what happens on a Sunday morning has to reflect itself through the week. You need something that's going to help you. That's exactly what the Bible does. That's exactly what the truth does. It gives you something that's going to help you through the week, that's going to change your life if you let it in, and continue to change your life, to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to let your life be different because Jesus has come. And, and listen, <clears throat> don't miss it. It's, it's not what's in your flesh that's going to change it. It's him. It's the light. It's coming to the light and letting him in to do his work in your life that changes you. And if you're not changing, you know why you're not changing? You're not changing because you're not coming to the light. You're not coming to the light. You need to come to the light. Light's uncomfortable, isn't it? You know, you, know, you wake up in the morning and, and, and somebody turns the light full on in the room and all of a sudden you go from the darkness to the light and, you're, and your head's spinning. You know, light's uncomfortable. Light exposes all those dark areas in your life, doesn't it? You, know, you, you read the Bible and it exposes what's wrong. It exposes the error. It exposes what you're not doing right. You've got to come to the light. You've got to let the light do its work. That's what changes us. That's what makes us better able to live this life. That, that's what fits us for heaven. This light that has shined uh, in a dark time. But verses 3 to 5 talk about this, our second point. Uh, trouble times for Israel. Now, Israel was always in trouble with God. If you read your Bible, uh, you read your Old Testament, you, you, you find a nation that's always in trouble with God. They're, they're always got this problem or that problem going on. They're, they're always messing up. They're always getting it wrong. Uh, they're always going into idolatry. They're always ignoring God. And, and because they're ignoring God, they're, they're in trouble with God because God can't bless that kind of stuff. God, God can't bless it uh, when, when his people, his chosen people, go and do their own thing and go their own way. And he can't bless it when you do it either. 
He's, he just can't. He, he can't bless our foolishness. He always loves, but he doesn't bless foolishness. He doesn't bless rebellion. And that's really what it is. It's you and I doing our own thing and going our own way. He, he can't bless that. <clears throat> he wants to bless. His nature is to bless. His heart is to bless. And I, I think you could almost say this, that God is frustrated when he can't bless your life. Almost. I don't, I don't know that I can, I can back it up theologically for you, right? Uh, but but, but the, the point is that the great heart of God is to bless your life. You have to get in the way of it. You have to get in the way of it uh, with re rebellion. Uh, his heart was to bless Israel. If you, if you read about his heart for Israel, his heart was to make them a great and a mighty nation, the envy of the world, so that all the world would be drawn to them and through them drawn to him. That was his plan. But, but they couldn't get with the plan. They couldn't go with the plan. And so what happened is uh, it constantly was frustrated. It constantly wasn't working. And God was having to deal with them, as we see here in the book of Isaiah. God is having to deal with them. Uh, he's having to, <clears throat> to work in their lives. Um, now, we're not Israel, and God doesn't work exactly in the same way with us. Uh, we're not the nation. Uh, God's dealing with us as individuals, as his children. And, and he's bringing storms of difficulty into our lives. Sometimes the storms are for chastening. Because you're his child and you've gone your own way and done your own thing. And, and, and he's chastening you with the view of bringing you back to him. Sometimes it's correction. Sometimes, you know, you're unknowingly almost, you know, doing something that is not what he wants you to do. And so he brings trouble into your life uh, to kind of straighten you out and bring you back. And sometimes it's just to make you grow. But God's always working in their lives, always bringing us. There's, 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 listen, we serve a God who didn't save us, uh, take our number and say, see you when you get to heaven. We serve a God who, who <clears throat> when he saved us, he said, okay, I've begun to work in you and I'm going to perform it until uh, I come back. All right, so I'm going to be here every day. I'm going to show up every day in your life is what God says. And you say, well, I don't want him showing up in my life. It doesn't matter. He's going to show up in your life every day. Right? You say, well, I'm, that makes me uncomfortable. I want to live my own life and do my own thing. It doesn't matter. He's, he's there. He's, he's going to show up in your life because he's begun a good work. He's going to work in your life. Now, when you're leaning into him and going his way and doing what he wants you to do, you're going to find that he's showing up in blessing. And when you're going your own way and doing your own thing, you're going to find he's showing up frustrating the plan. I, I almost think we, that, that when we give somebody the gospel, we ought, we ought to put a, put a provision in it. Now understand this, that if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're inviting the Holy Spirit into your life, and He's going to come in, and He's going to stay no matter what you do. But He won't be happy when you're going your own way and doing your own thing. He's going to step in, and He's going to make it difficult. And sometimes He does that in our lives, doesn't He? Sometimes we've all experienced that, that, he, that he's making life difficult. That's what he's doing for Israel. It's not because he hates them. He loves this people. He's, he's, going, to, he, he's, he's, go, he's going to put them through it now. And, and he's telling them what he's going to put them through. He's very specific in the book of Isaiah what he's going to put them through. Uh, he's, he's telling them the different nations that are going to come in and that are going to rule over them and the difficulties and the problems that they have. But into all of that, he gives us our precious verse, our third point. Verse 6. Right? And verse 6 and 7 are God's answer for Israel. Now, 
at this stage, there's no averting it. They're going to go through trouble. They're going to go through difficulty. There's, it's not like God saying, you know, if you do this and this and this, then it won't happen. No, they've, <clears throat> they've done so much. They've ignored so many warnings that it's going to happen. But God throws this beautiful verse, and he tells them how to focus in the difficulty. He tells them what to look at. Do you know that what you're looking at is going to actually dictate what's going on in your heart? And that's going to dictate what's happening in your life. And God wants you to look to him. Even in difficult times, even in these days, God wants you to look to him. Look at our verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now let's go through it uh, <coughs> quickly uh, and look at it. Unto us a child is born, uh, a son is given. How is he a child and a son at the same time? Well, he's the baby of Christmas, isn't he? And we're so drawn to that baby. That's a God we can handle. That's, that's a very cute God in a little manger. We're so drawn to that baby. But the baby speaks of his humanity. He's, he's completely human. He knows exactly what it feels like to, to, to be you and I. Don't, don't get lost in the baby of Christmas, because the baby of Christmas is speaking of his humanity. He was fully God, even though he was a baby. And unto us, a, a, a child is born and a son is given, the son of the living God, nonetheless. He was, he was the son of God. He was equal with God. Uh, always he was the eternal God we're going to see in a second. And he continued to be the eternal God. He, he never missed a beat as far as that was concerned. So we have a, a son and, and we have a child. Now, now why? Because the only way to redeem us was to send a perfect sacrifice that would live a perfect life and then willingly give himself for a people like us that didn't deserve him. That was the only way to save us. So <clears throat> a child is born, a son is given. This, this perfect mixture, 100% man, knows exactly what it feels like to walk in your shoes and live your life. It has been through all you've been through and more. A son, one who was fully God and who could take on himself the price of our sins and pay it and say it is finished it is done one who could do all that this this child is all that uh, <clears throat> then it says the government shall be upon his shoulders now this is the point that kind of drew my attention this week right <clears throat> now obviously this speaks of the millennium for israel during the millennium, Jesus Christ is going to rule from Jerusalem. He's going to rule the world from Jerusalem. It's going to be the best time the world has ever known uh, as Jesus rules from Jerusalem. And it's speaking of that. But I want to ask you a question. Who's in charge today? Who's ruling the world today? You see, this is where our focus can so quickly get out of whack, can't it? We're living in strange times. We're living in days uh, when everything seems kind of 
out of whack and, 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 and a bit scary. And, you know, it feels like it's kind of, it, it, it's, it's just everything is difficult. And, and you look around at the world leaders and you look, well, who's in charge? Is Michael Martin in charge? Uh, is Boris Johnson in charge? They're working out their Brexit deal this week and he's digging in his heels and there's uh, all kinds of dread uh, coming down the line because of the Brexit deal. Well, Angela Merkel, is she in charge? She's been around for such a long time. What about Vladimir Putin? He'd like to be in charge of it all. Uh, uh, what about Donald Trump? Well, we won't go there, will we? Uh, but who's in charge of our world at the moment? Um, Let's, let's ask the question of, 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 of somebody who lived soon after the time of Isaiah, of Nebuchadnezzar, right? Now, Nebuchadnezzar was in charge. Humanly speaking, he was in charge. Uh, he's, he's, he's the king of Babylon, and he's conquered the world he knew. And um, <clears throat> if there was anything else to conquer, he wasn't really aware of it yet, because, listen, he was in charge. He was ruling the whole thing. Uh, he, he was in charge of all of it. But if you've read the book of Daniel, uh, God has this inter in, interesting interaction uh, with Nebuchadnezzar. He gives him this, this image of the golden statue. And there's the golden head, and that's Nebuchadnezzar, and the rest of the, uh, of the empires that are going to come. By the way, do you know that uh, Daniel chapter 2 tells you that God knew exactly what was going to happen as far as the different empires that were coming was concerned. Now, how does God know... God's not an innocent bystander in the affairs of men. God's at work in the affairs of men. He's working it all out. Uh, he's working it all out till it comes to the place where, where that great stone crushes all those kingdoms, and his kingdom is the only one that's left. He's working all of that out. He's bringing all that to pass because that's his plan. That's, that's what he wants to do. But in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And we're not going to go into the whole chapter. He has a dream about uh, this great tree, and the tree gets cut down, and the stump gets left, and um, uh, flourishes again later on. And Daniel says, this dream is not a good one. Uh, you, you, need, you need to change your ways. You need to change your ways in the hope that God will show mercy. Well, that, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't change his ways. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of the world. He rules in the affairs of men. All right? And one day he stands looking over Babylon and he says, Is this not great Babylon that I have built by the power of my might? And God says, You're going to be sorry you said that. Because I'm in everything. So the dream comes to be in Nebuchadnezzar's life. And Nebuchadnezzar, this great world ruler, becomes a, like a cow in the field for seven years, and he sits in the field. And at the end of that time, he writes this. And it's instructive for people in that age and for people in all the ages since then. Let me read what he says. Uh, first of all, he says in verse 25 of chapter 4, that God rules in the kingdom of man, and he gives it to whomsoever he will. Now, is that true today, do you think? <laughs> Do you think that God rules in the affairs of men and we end up with the leaders that God has appointed? But they're not the ones we want. That doesn't matter. They're the ones that God wants for his purposes. And you and I can either be fighting against what God wants or we can be saying, okay, this is what God wants. 
<clears throat> do, do you think that God is still God and he still rules in the affairs of man? Let, let me go on, though. Daniel 4, 34 through 30, 37. And at the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. Right? He's the Most High. Uh, he, <clears throat> his, he lives forever. He's the everlasting God, and his dominion uh, is... <clears throat> Uh, is, is everlasting. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Do you know there's a thought there that you and I need to grab? Do you know the world leaders come and go? World leaders come and go. I don't know how many different leaders there have been of Ireland uh, in my lifetime. I don't know how many. And they've all come and they've all gone. Some are still alive. Some are, some are dead. But they've come and they've gone. If we, if we go back over the history of a hundred years, you know, you, you've got wildly differing world leaders. And they've all come and gone. And only one leader remains. The everlasting God. There's only one person who's in charge. And what he does is, he puts this one up and he takes them down, and then he puts this one up and he takes them down, and he is working all of it together for his ends, because it's his world. And he's got a plan, and he's working this whole plan out to achieve the ends that he wants. You and I get to be with him in it. We don't have the plan. We're not working it out. We're just part of the plan. I love in the Bible. That's <clears throat> kind of it's, it, it, it shocking sometimes. When you see what good God does, even with his great leaders. Moses was a great leader. Flawed as all men are. But nonetheless, he was a great leader. But we find in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead, now lead the people of Israel. What's he saying? He's saying, yeah, he's gone, he's off the picture. I've moved him now. Now, now <clears throat> I want you to do what I've got you. And after a while, he moved Joshua, and he put somebody else up. And God does that. You say, but how does that work with the free will of man? I can't reconcile the two in my mind. I just know they're there, because the Bible says that both of them are there. That God rules in the affairs of man and the free will of man works because he's God and he's able to work it all out uh, <clears throat> to achieve his plan. Never the author of evil. Never the author of evil, but the one who's in charge of all of it. Anyway, he works it all out. Uh, he is, <clears throat> his kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Now, think about that for a second. What do you mean to God in terms of the impact that you can have on Him? Nothing. But you know what makes you valuable to God? His love for you. He loves you. It's actually the most romantic thing you've ever heard of. Why would a God love someone like me who really didn't care about Him and yet He loves me? with a passion. He joys over me with singing. He does with you too. Why would he do that? Because he's chosen to love me. So listen, really, in terms of the impact on, on God, God's life, you have no impact on God's life. And yet, he loves you. Now don't get it wrong. When you and I, are, when you and I walk in faith with God and, and, and love him back, I, I think that has an impact on him. Right? But, but in the nature of it, you and I as human beings, we're reputed as nothing. 
God can wipe the face of the earth with all of us and start again if he wants to. Because he's God. He doesn't do that because he loves us. But understand that, that God is not looking for a consensus from us about how to lead. God is just leading. He's just doing his God thing. He's making it happen. He's working it out. And you and I need to understand that, that God is at work in our situation. And <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar needed to understand that too. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Now this is Nebuchadnezzar, king of the world. He's saying he does whatever he likes and nobody can stop him. I mean, that's a great revelation for a man of that stature to come to. But you and I need to catch that too. Nothing's happening. There's, there's, there's no insecurity as far as this world is concerned that God is saying, oh my goodness, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. There's, there's no blinking as far as God is concerned. Something happens that he didn't know was going to happen. He's God. He's in control of all. Another character, um, Pilate. Jesus stands before Pilate and Pilate says to him, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you and I have the power to set you free? Shape up, Jesus. I'm in charge here. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. You know what, Pilate? It's not Caesar that made, gave you your position. You, 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 you pander to him and you think he's the one that made you what you are. My father put you where you are. You know, and what we see is we see God's in charge. In fact, Bible tells us not a sparrow falls from the air without our God. Our God is in charge. He's in charge of everything. He's in charge of your life. Our God is in charge. He's working it all out. Let me ask you, what area of your life are you chafing with him over? Now you're not saying it, you know, you don't put it that way because we're Christians. We, and we learn the lingo pretty quick, don't we? You know, you don't, you don't blame God for the wrong things in your life. You, what you do is you blame other people for the wrong things in your life. But you know what? In the midst of you blaming other people for the wrong things in your life, you need to remember, God allowed it. If it's other people, I'm a victim. If it's God, I'm a beloved child that he's working on. It's a different world to live in. And it's a choice in your thinking. Are other people really, are you really at the mercy of other people? Or is God working in your life? something great. And one day you're going to stand with him in heaven and you're going to look back at the very situation that you're chafing over right now and you're going to say, oh Lord, thank you. You got that right. But you know what? You and I do have to do in this situation. We have to choose. We have to choose where we're going to look, right? Uh, let me be quick on these next couple of points here. Um, <clears throat> so first of all, the government is on his shoulders. He's in charge. He's ruling not you. All right? You don't have to rule at all. You don't have to be in charge. I'm, I'm lying awake the other night, right? And um, <clears throat> I mean, the hardest work I do in a day is trying to get sleep for six hours, right? Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be so glad when I get to heaven and I never have to go sleep again uh, <clears throat> because try, trying to actually sleep and stay asleep, I'll go asleep and I'll wake three or four hours later and that's, I'm, I, I'm awake. That's fine. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I can come down and I can study and I can do things uh, in the night and then I'll doze off usually before uh, it's time to get going in the day. <clears throat> but um, I don't know what I do as a mechanic. Being, being, a, being a pastor really helps uh, as far as that's concerned because you can work in the night. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm lying awake the other night and, and, and it's one of those nights and the stress kicks in. 
and you start worrying about things. And you start worrying about uh, the church and worrying about home and worrying about all the things that could happen and all the things that I'm responsible for. What if this happens? What if, what if, what if that happens? What if the other happens? And, 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 and I mean, I'm talking to God about it because I know it's wrong. I'm not supposed to be worrying. I know it's wrong, and it's the middle of the night, and I'm just talking to God about it. And you know my problem was? My problem was I was taking responsibility on for all of this. Do you ever do that? Do you ever take responsibility for it? It's all on me. It's all on me. I, 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 I got to work it out. I got to make it happen and so on. And you know what I was doing? I was taking the government upon my little shoulders. And my little shoulders weren't ever made for that. The government is on his shoulders. Let me read you. Uh, I think this was a, uh, a neat story. <clears throat> that means that Jesus can bear the full weight of the world and all its problems. It's easy to say, but hard to believe. In one of his books, David Jeremiah mentions a man called George McCausland. Many years ago, he served as director of a YMCA in western Pennsylvania. It was a difficult situation because the YMCA was losing money, membership, and staff. McCausland worked 85 hours a week trying to fix things. He couldn't sleep at night. Uh, even when he was away from the job, he was worrying and fretting about problems he couldn't solve. A therapist warned him that he was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Somehow, he needed to get uh, to let go and let God take charge of his problem. Uh, but how do you do something like that? The breakthrough came one day as he took a notebook and ventured into a forest not far from where he lived. As he walked through the woods, he could feel his muscles starting to relax. Sitting down under a tree, he sighed and felt at ease for the first time in months. Taking out his notebook, he tried to let go of the burdens of his life. He wrote God a letter that simply said, Dear God, today I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. Love, George. Looking back at that moment, he reflected with a twinkle in his eye, and wonder of wonders, God accepted my resignation. <laughs> do you need to do that? Do you need to resign as general manager of the universe? Maybe, maybe just your small universe. But you're in charge. Uh, and the responsibility is on you. And the, the weight of, us all, of it all is on your uh, shoulders. Many of us need to resign as the general manager of the universe. Are you worn out from trying to help your children and your grandchildren take care of your parents and get your coworkers shaped up? Are you exhausted from trying to repair the broken people and the messed up situations all around you? No wonder you're tired all the time. You know what you need to do? You need to resign as the general manager of your universe. Your shoulders were never fitted to carry the weight of it all. Do you know what you've got to do? All you've got to do is do what he tells you to do. That's all you've got to do. You say, well, he's not telling me to do much right now. That's fine. Then you don't have to do much. You don't have to create the plan, hatch the plan, and make it happen. What you have to do is you have to do what he tells you to do. And you say, if you don't know what to do, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. He says, you know, if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you liberally and upbraid you not. But you don't have to carry the weight of it upon your shoulder. Isn't that good news? That's part of the light of the gospel in your life. You don't have to carry the weight of it all uh, on your shoulders. You were never meant to do that. Um, uh, in one of the sermons, Walt Gerber mentioned a plaque hanging on his wall. Walt, do not feel totally personally, irrevocably responsible for everything. That's my job. Love God. And then, listen, that's God's job. God's in charge of it all. You're not. I'll tell you what. When you end up uh, worrying and with it keeping you awake at night, you know what? 
you're taking more responsibility than belongs to you. Your responsibility is to do what he would have you do. That's all. He's in charge. Oh, it's wonderfully freeing if you let it in. But, so, first of all, you're not supposed to carry the weight of the world, the, the government of the world. Uh, but secondly, the government is not in control. Now, I think this year has, has, has done a number on most of us. And, and one of the numbers it's done is it's put us in the place where we're, where we're looking at uh, and government and uh, we're looking at all these conspiracy theories and they're, I mean, they are flowing around right now. All the conspiracy theories of all the people that want to actually take uh, and control us uh, for the wrong. And it's easy for us to look and say, well, the government's in control and they're, doing it, they're getting it wrong. Government's not in control. God's in control. Um, uh, there's an endless number of uh, <clears throat> conspiracy theories out there, they'd make your head spin. Then there's the American election. If you, know, if you, if you have any friends from America uh, on Facebook, it's just terrifying. Because they're terrified. And you, you wonder, the question is this, where is God in all of it? Did God miss it? Where is God? That, by the way, that's the great question that you need to ask all the time. Whatever situation you're facing, where is God in this? Because I'll tell you what, he's in charge. He's in control. And he's going to work it out his way in the end. But what we do is we tend to fly off. Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? <clears throat> and we need to understand, no, God's in charge. By the way, as far as conspiracy theories, let me say something. I think believers can be gullible. Now, why are we gullible? Well, we believe that a man... 2,000 years ago, hung on a cross and paid the price for our sins, and he rose from the grave. And somebody said, if you believe that, you'll believe anything. Right? And I think that's sometimes what happens for believers, that we kind of open up to faith, and we're, 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 we're kind of willing to believe all kinds of crazy stuff that's out there. But the reason I believe that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and rose again is because the Bible says it. The Bible says it. You can't get around it. It's historical fact, but the Bible says it is the beginning uh, of it all. And, you know, <clears throat> uh, believing, accepting by faith things that are not true in the Word and not consistent with uh, <clears throat> who God reveals himself to be is nonsense. Listen, I am committed to believing every word of the Word of God. I am committed to believing what that tells me about God. But my faith is not supposed to be open so that I can get that I buy into things that are ridiculous. Christians need to be a people of this book. We need to be a people who live this book and who believe this book. And you see, here's what happens. The conspiracy theories and the government and all the rest of it, you know what you do? You get your eyes off Jesus. You get your eyes off Jesus and onto something else. And Satan really doesn't care what you get your eyes on as long as it's not the Lord Jesus. He doesn't care. He wants you to get your eyes off. <clears throat> he doesn't care uh, <clears throat> if it's Mary, Muhammad, Krishna, Nostradamus, the Donegal Postman, conspiracy theories, anything but the lovely Lord Jesus who has his hand on this world and has it all under control. Because you know what happens when you look at him? Your heart goes, oh, it's okay. Dad's on the throne. He's got control of it all. It's okay. You know, 
it's not going to happen. I was looking at a Peanuts cartoon the other day, right? And um, <clears throat> uh, the, the little guy is saying, uh, and if, you know, we're all going to die. And Peanuts says, yeah, but we're not going to die today. And on all the other days, we're going to live. <laughs> and you know what? It's not going to all fall apart because of this virus. And it's not going to become unhinged and unraveled because of the American election or because of Brexit or because of any of the rest of the stuff that's happening in the world and the stuff that's happening in your world. It's not going to come unhinged. God's in control. He's in charge. He's got it all in his hands. All you and I need to do is lift our eyes off all the problems and look to him. And what we're going to find is we're going to find the lovely Lord Jesus and is in control of all of it. Nothing uh, is outside uh, his control. I wonder this morning, are your eyes off the Lord? Are you in the place where you're looking at something other than him? And because you're looking at something other than him, like me in bed the other night, you're getting stressed. And, and, you, and, you, and you're getting frustrated and you're getting bothered and you're getting panic-stricken and, and all the rest of it. And what you need to do is simply turn and say, okay, the government's on your shoulders. The government, you've you, you got it all in your hands. There's nothing going to happen in my life that you're not in charge of. And, and even the tough things, one day I'm going to look at them and I'm going to be glad. Because you're doing it. And we need to lift our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's the one that's in charge. And let me just quickly go through. He's wonderful. Oh, listen, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, get to know him. Because he is wonderful. There's nobody as wonderful in this world or any world as the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get to know him and you let his love into your life, what happens is you've got something that sustains you. And you've got something to give to others as well. He is wonderful. He is the wonderful counselor. <clears throat> you know, I, I think that maybe because of what's gone on this year, all of us are a little bit more needy than we were last year. We're, we're a little bit more mortal. We're a little bit more fragile. Uh, we've kind of been through the mill. 27 weeks with no church to come to. We've gone online. 27 weeks. And that's just one part of your life. So many other parts of your life have been affected by that. But do you know there's a wonderful counselor? And he doesn't have an office here in Tala. He has an office right in your heart. The wonderful counselor. And, and he knows what it's like to be you. We have a high priest, and we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to struggle with the things you struggle with. He, he, he understands that. He was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And he's come boldly to the throne of grace. Come. I'll help you. I'll help you unravel it, tease it out, sort it out. I'll help you un un unravel that thing. I have this little, um, I don't know what you call them, the, the, the little balls that bounce. Right? <clears throat> and uh, the other day, Joshua got it, uh, Jasper got his hand into them. He was, he was, he was fascinated with them for a while. Uh, but eventually he got his hand into them, and he created an unbelievable knot in them. Right? And I knew if I didn't sort out the knot right now, 
I'd be throwing it out because it was done. It was just, there was no way anything was going. You know, it was all, it was all tied together. So it's like a little fishing line. And so I started teasing it out and unraveling it. And pretty soon, it came, it came under, and I could make it all go again. Do you know, that's what the Lord Jesus does in your life when you bring your problems and your issues and your difficulties to him. He is the counselor. You, you, you get alone with him. You take time to get alone with him. You pour out your troubles and your problems and your difficulties to him. And let him in to change them. And you know what? He just unravels it all. And he puts everything in perspective. And he gets the whole thing swinging the way it's supposed to swing again. Oh, just bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the, he is the counselor. He is the wonderful uh, counselor. And you know what? We need a counselor right now. <clears throat> he is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. World leaders will come and go, but He will be there. He will be in ru ruling. He will be in charge. He is the Prince of Peace. And if you want peace in your life, you have to come to the Prince of Peace. The, the world has all its little tricks for giving you peace, but they won't sustain you. But when you come to the Prince of Peace, and you let Him in, and, and you let His peace into your life, He is the Prince of Peace peace. You see, only Jesus can bring peace to your soul. And then, I'm not going to develop this, but he says, and the increase of his government shall be without end. Do you know what? I know it looks like things are getting worse in the world. And maybe humanly speaking, they are. <clears throat> but do you know what? The one who carries the government upon his shoulders is working his way through it. And he's going to rule the world perfectly. And you and I get the privilege, the joy of being his children, of being princes and princesses of heaven, of walking with him in it and enjoying him in it. And if you're not his this morning, can I plead with you? Would you just come to that place where you cry out to him? You say, I'm not sure what to do. Listen, he knows what to do. You cry out to him. Are you a sinner? Do you need a Savior? Well, well, Jesus is sinless. He's a perfect Savior. And he died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. And he rose to prove he had the power to do it. And if you will call out to him, he will save you. But, but let, me, let me let you know in all uncertain terms, he won't come in your life to enable you to do what you want to do. He comes in your life as king. And when you come under him as king and let him rule in your life, you're going to have the best life a human being can possibly have in this world. There isn't a better life that you can have. But listen, invite him in. Uh, <clears throat> we're coming to the end of a very tough year. We've got some time to reflect in December. Right? Let me give you a couple of thoughts uh, uh, to, to go with as we pull it together. Right? Uh, God is on his throne. He is God and you're not. Rest in that. He is God and you're not. We need to come to him through the low door and <clears throat> You need to come to him in humility. You're not in charge. You're, you're not ruling. You don't have the plan, and God needs to get on board with your plan. You know, hey, come on, get on board. No, no, no. You need to come to him with humility. Lord, help me. Lord, what's your plan? You need to come to him with humility. <clears throat> One day he will make sense of all this. One day you will stand with him in glory. And he will tease out and help you to understand all that's happened, I believe. And you know what? He'll make sense of all of it. It doesn't make sense maybe right now. 
But one day it will all make sense. And then <clears throat> we need to trust in his goodness at all times. You know, <clears throat> whenever you're faced with a difficulty, you need to ask the question, well, what's God doing in this? And then you need to trust him. Even if you don't see what he's doing, trust him. Because he's in it. He never leaves. He never walks away. Listen, we have the greatest comfort, the greatest peace, and the greatest confidence that it's possible for human beings to have. Because we have the one who came and who loved us and who gave himself for us. And he rules today and every day. Let's stand uh, for a word of prayer. And Christine is going to play for us then. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you for this people that you've drawn to you. And oh Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can open the Bible and preach today. Now Lord, would you bless us? Would you give us that vision of that great God that rules in the affairs of man? It's not us. It's not the government. It's not any of the conspiracies. Lord, it's you. You're ruling. And you're good at it. And we can rest in you and we can trust you. And Lord, for that one that doesn't know you as Savior, blessed Spirit, would you bring conviction, even right now. Show them their need of you. Bring that conviction. Show them that they need to be saved. And oh Lord, may they cry out to you and be saved. And Lord, to you be the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen.